Trivia! The best time of the year. It's trivia time. Plus, 4 a.m. fights a classic elimination. And what the hell is Derek wearing? It's the Challenge All-Stars episode 2 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's pod, we are talking all things The Challenge All-Stars, Episode 2. The game is truly underway at this point. We've got another killer episode with a lot to cover. So let's open those history books and go straight on in to our section-by-section breakdown of this episode, All-Stars, Episode 2. Here we go. All right. So action picks up right where we left off after Episode 1. Post-elimination, Letary and Victorious, everyone coming back to the house and producer in the field Mark Long has to explain to Letarian that the new rule on the challenge when you win an elimination when you walk back in the house you got to go in first with your hands held high and uh you know kind of give a gesture and a smile to the camera so thankfully Mark's there to produce Letarian a little bit let him know that he's supposed to act like he's having a good time um but we get a couple nice moments uh in a shorter than usual kind of pre-daily challenge segment at the house because the daily challenge eventually takes a good chunk of the runtime here but in that pre uh pre-daily challenge segment we've got a couple things worth noting on the first one um that's kind of interesting to look at both from where we've been the last few seasons of the regular uh challenge on total madness and double agents a theme that has come up throughout that is hearing about all the different best friends in the challenge universe and that As is usual to happen, when a word gets thrown around in the challenge house, it kind of becomes immediate slang, and then it gets used over and over and over and just beat into the ground over and over and over, even when it doesn't totally make sense. And the most recent example of that has been, especially this previous season of Double Agents, everyone having a best friend in the house and not being able to differentiate between their closest alliance in the house and who their best friend in the world is. And just using that best friend term, it's been kind of a running joke the last season or two. But now here on All Stars, we find out that we have actual legitimate best friends in Katie and Trishel, that after their time on the challenge way back when, they actually did grow to become great, great friends. They lived together for over six years. Uh, They were in each other's weddings. It looks like by the picture we see that Katie might even have been the maid of honor in Trishel's wedding. I mean, she's the closest one standing to her um, up there by the altar. So usually that's the maid of honor spot. They didn't say that, but at least in the wedding. So actual best friends here on the challenge, or so we think, or are led to believe. We'll come back more later to how good of friends they actually are here today in the moment and how mad they should be at each other when they actually get mad at each other later but both great setup for you know the rest of the show we kind of immediately know as a it's a women's elimination they're setting up this katie trichel thing we kind of know from the jump one of those two is likely if not both of them going to be on the chopping block 
But then we also get another Trishel moment that's really great. Her and Anissa sit down by the fireside and got to point out the outdoor. I mean, we mentioned on the preview pod and the first episode podcast that the whole, uh, you know, aesthetic of the challenge house really fit in my personal vibes. Love them being kind of out in the nature, love the cabin, love the summer camp feel. In this episode, we get a view of their outer area, which they've got an amazing fire pit with some great couches and chairs and everything around it. And then also randomly while, while I'm all in favor for it, there's also randomly a foosball table on a slab of concrete way over to one side. There's a pool table on a slab of concrete way over to one side. Who knows uh, if they have to, you know, keep those covered at night themselves, if producers are taking care of that, but just randomly placed throughout the yard, um, different uh, indoor games being posing as lawn games. But anyways, to what actually happens by that fireside, Anisha, Anissa and Trishel have a nice moment where Trishel apologizes for her previous um, insensitive remarks that were made back on a previous season years and years ago. And as would be expected, Anissa handles this with class and grace, accepts the apology, helps all of us get a little more education. We get the clip of what happened previously, acknowledgement of how wrong that it was, and that maybe in the moment we weren't all paying attention to how fucked up it might have been. Um, and as always, Anissa here to both help us all along in our education on social issues and to do it with grace in class. Awesome little moment there between them. Glad we got to see that. And is one of the fun things about uh, bringing all these OGs back isn't just that some of them, you know, they all have these pasts together and that those pasts could go one of two ways. It could get worse and worse or it could get better. We could see, you know, the good side of it like we did here where, uh, beef in the past that went wrong, got ugly real quick, being able to be squashed, move on from, learn from, and, you know, all of us as fans as well get to learn a little from. So that was an awesome moment um, to get to see that. And again, hats off to Anissa for handling that situation so well. She's going to come up a few times throughout this uh, MVP candidate for sure. Uh, we'll find out at the end of this podcast if she wins that MVP for this episode, but making an early case for it here. The final thing to talk about before we get into the daily challenge is just Derek's wardrobe. Derek and Kendall have a little moment out. She's doing yoga. Derek appears to be drinking a tall boy potentially at around nine or 10 in the morning. I could never get a exact read of what can he was holding, but it was a tall can. I don't know. I'm guessing because of the hour and because they have then went on to do a daily challenge that day. And we do know that the challenge uh, has a rule about drinking pre-challenge that I'm guessing it wasn't a tall boy. It was probably an energy drink maybe of some sort or a soda. I'm not sure, but it kind of made for fun with Derek just to run through the full outfit he's wearing. Again, outside the summer camp vibe, out by the pond. Kendall's doing yoga and up strolls Derek in some big old outdoorsman boots, some tie-dye crazy sweatpants that are tie-dye on the top going all the way to black at the bottom to kind of give them a little grungy tie-dye feel, an MTV Spring Break 91 cutoff, and a pair of those plastic party shades that you only wear when, you know, partying it up, drinking a bunch, knowing that these are $5 shades you got at a gas station that it's fine if they get broken or lost. 
and just an absolute iconic fit from Derek. Looks like maybe he just still hasn't changed from the 90s party they had on the previous episode. Maybe the way this is being edited, maybe that conversation happened right before that 90s party, and they're just putting it in this episode to kind of start setting up the Kendall thing. Regardless of how it happened, incredible fit, and getting to see him standing out there in nature next to the river in that outfit was just Awesome, awesome stuff for Derek. I'm very much looking forward to, already have been enjoying and continue to look forward to the outfits and the wardrobes that these folks are bringing who, uh, you know, had some classic looks back in their day in the 90s and 2000s and even early 2010s on television, how much their wardrobes have updated over the years or not. Um, So great look for Derek. And that's kind of all the notes we got on the pre-daily challenge. So we'll move right on into segment two then of the show, which is the daily challenge which was referenced at the top of this podcast, is trivia, is the best challenge of the season every time. Not just TJ's favorite, my favorite, I think most fans' favorite as far as non-physical stuff goes on this show. Trivia is easily, hands down, the most entertaining thing we get to watch most of the time. Some of the trivias have gone a little off the rails in recent past, um, but this one, classic trivia, Loved bringing in that, you know, All-Stars OG, making it all challenge-related trivia. Still able to make some uh, fools of some people have some good laughs the whole time, uh, while also very much playing to this host, fan, uh, this host you know, um, preferences with challenge history. So we get trivia, and to say about that right off the top, the thing that I guess I never really thought of while going into the shortened season of all stores. While we talked a lot about, you know, how legitimate of a season would it be compared to a regular one, as far as what challenges they would be doing, what eliminations they would be doing, how competitive, how cutthroat it would be all that. The thing we didn't really think through is that because it's this shortened season, it means the only things we're going to see now that they've clearly decided, you know, this is a full on season we're doing, We're doing everything we would do in a regular season. It's just shorter. It means that we're only going to get to see the absolute best challenges, the absolute best eliminations, the fan favorites. And that is just a nice little secret sauce of doing this kind of shortened all-star format of a season is that we don't have to come up with much new. We don't have to try new random eliminations, new random daily challenges that may work, may not, that may lead to kind of dull episodes. If you know a third of it is this daily challenge, that's some new thing that doesn't quite work, isn't that competitive, isn't that fun. So being able to just say, hey, we're going to have the five, six, seven best daily challenges we've ever had. Those are the ones we're doing. The five, six, seven best eliminations we've ever had. Those are the ones we're doing it's going to be a real strength, a real advantage of this season, and it's already paying off by being able to have trivia in the second episode and not feel like you do. And sometimes with the long seasons, this especially happened um, happened falsely on Double Agents, the most recent full season, being that they had Hall Brawl. I think it was either first or second episode of that season and not knowing that they would bring it back four or five more times throughout. You see Hall Brawl up front, and you get all excited, you know, you're, you're thinking, maybe I have to wait all season, and now you're getting it right off the jump, but then you realize, oh, now I don't have it the rest of the season, and it's a long season, um, and again, they did bring it back, so that was kind of a false, um, you know, a false negative there, but with this one, we know every week it's going to be something awesome, something we love, this week, no different, we get the trivia, and diving into the actual 
trivia competition itself. First question, is this event just totally favoring people that are skinny and don't weigh as much? Because, you know, it's explained. They got to men go one round, women go the other round. You answer trivia questions. If you get it wrong, you got to take one step forward onto these tiles that there's about four of them in front of you. At some point, as you step on one, it's not going to hold your weight. You're going to break through, fall to the water below, and you're eliminated. But it's not explained whether, you know, like our big easies tiles in textiles, for instance, the same, uh, you know, like weighted the same, able to hold up the same amount where it's just super fair for some, unfair for others, or are, you know, they weighted properly to try to be fair. Who knows? It does kind of seem random as they go, what people fall, when they fall, um, between one and three, a couple, multiple people make it all the way to the end without actually falling through and are asked, you know, hop through. Um, so, uh, not sure there, but you know, that's classic challenge for you. We don't exactly know how everything's working perfectly. If the rules are a hundred percent, um, in favor of everyone and a, you know, equal chance at winning, but, um, made for a great challenge, made for great visuals, made for great trivia. I think this, they really nailed it. The trivia, while the questions can be, uh, you know, better than other some seasons than others, the other big part of it is just the visual of when you lose. It's always almost, I think, every time they've ever done it, or at least since it kind of really first came around, it's always over water. You're always going to end up in water when you lose trivia. But sometimes the contraptions of how they fall into the water uh, both either don't work 100% like they think they're going to to make a cool visual or a fun moment for the competitors or sometimes also lead to really horrible falls and really dangerous setups where this one was nice that, um, except for poor Katie, who we'll touch on in a moment, um, everyone you know falls suddenly but very straight down into the water, um, not really putting themselves at much, much risk of having a nasty landing. So then on to... Uh, the actual competition itself, uh, the men go, men not uh, very impressive, to be honest. Uh, you know, Derek and Darrell at first seemed to have their knowledge down, which would make sense having been on, you know, in the world of the longest, both with Derek being in the show and with the podcast now and Darrell being in the show from the early days coming back in recent seasons. Um, you would think those two might have an upper hand at having paid attention and been a part of the most of the stuff, but eventually even they, you know, aren't getting things very right. Um, the men go down rather quickly and we end up with Nehemiah, uh, versus tech, which, um, no disrespect to tech, but shows how bad the men did in general, that tech was one of the last two standing when he admits you know, he was on one season of the show a long, long time ago, and he hasn't exactly paid, you know, detailed attention since. So he was clearly, you know, surprised he was there at the end, almost pulls off the win. Uh, we'll get to TJ faking him out in just a moment. But Nehemiah eventually gets the win on the male side, wins the Lifesaver Award. Then the women go. The women put on much better show than the men do. They're answering questions correct left and right, even some of the ladies that don't feel like they're going to do well, do really well, including, and worth pointing out, both Anissa and Ruthie just putting on an absolute clinic. They get or end up being the last two. They answer at least what they show us, which we never know if they're showing us you know, every single question or not. Um, three or four answers in a row. Once it's two versus two, just back and forth, correct, 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 correct. Ruthie gets one wrong, has to step forward, doesn't fall. Anissa gets one wrong, has to step forward, doesn't fall. Another correct, correct. And then finally, 
Ruthie does bow out at the end, answers one incorrectly, and is one of those we mentioned. Gets all the way to the fourth tile, so it also has a little bit of luck along the way of, uh, you know, being one of the lighter people, maybe being in calmer, easy steps, easy steps there to get to that final tile, but TJ has to let her know, yep, you just got to kind of hop up and down and fall in the water now. That's too many incorrect. Anissa gets the win. Uh, Great performance by her, um, but definitely coming into this would have been the heavy favorite betting favorite coming into this challenge, but she's been great at trivia in the past. And again, as we mentioned with the Derek and Drell on the male side, Anissa has been here for all of this. She's been a part of it. I I didn't keep track of how many questions were about individual challengers, but Anissa both incorrectly a couple times was thrown out as an answer, but correctly was the answer or was a part of the season or elimination or whatever. That was the correct answer. So she was literally a part of a lot of this stuff, which gave her a bit of an advantage, but she also has a great head on her shoulders, has an awesome memory. It seems from uh, trivia's past and this one. So hats off to her great win. She is safe from elimination Final piece of the daily challenge to then talk about is the man having more fun than any of us. That is TJ Lavin. Has to be discussed here at length. TJ loves trivia more than anyone else. Um, he clearly, you know, he clearly loves his job as host of the challenge. He absolutely should. But this is the moment every season that he clearly looks forward to. I don't think that there's. I bet it's probably in his contract that he will not host a season if trivia is not one of the daily challenges. And he's always having a great time during trivia, but this one is on a whole new level. And watching him have so much fun, have so much glee and joy at watching people fall into the water, telling them they have incorrect answers is just great TV. You love to see it. Awesome work by TJ. A few examples worth pointing out that will double as um, contenders for the quote of the episode later on. So, I mean, everything he does, this whole trivia is perfect. We could literally just play the clip of every word out of his mouth, every gleeful laugh out of his mouth. But three things to point out the most that I really, really had a good time with. First off, uh, Katie's sadly going to come up twice during this. The first one, though, not really... Um, that bad of a look for her, but was TJ having to read former quotes by cast members in his line reading. The one time his energy level completely drops is when he decides that now nah, he should not go for it. He should not try to read an Anissa quote. Anything like Anissa would have said it just gives the monotone reading of a vicious Anissa quote. Check it out here. All right. Which challenge legend said... I don't need a gauntlet, bitch. I will cut you with words. I mean, it sounds like it's coral. I don't need a gauntlet, bitch. I will cut you with words. <laughs> Katie, who was it? Me. That's oh. Anissa. And you were there. Have a step. I can't. Just kills me every time. Shout out Anissa again being perfect. <laughs> the Katie, me. You were there. Just... <laughs> unbelievable and unfortunately for Katie our second thing worth pointing out of just fantastic work from TJ is again at uh at Katie's demise as she gives what had to be at least by his response the most disappointing answer that TJ heard all 
all uh, get trivia game here, and he let Katie know just that. Here we go. So, Katie, how many players participated in the elimination rounds on the island? Uh, one. Oh, my God, Katie. It is an elimination round. How would one just play in himself? Like, what is he going to do? They didn't even have challenges on that show. I mean, it, it was three, Katie. So I'm going to need you to take a step and say it. See you later. I mean, that's hilarious, but it's also a little bit cruel. But it's mostly hilarious. It's entertaining. Katie's a great sport. She could take it and just, I mean, TJ has made fun plenty of trivia people in the past, but that one was some real contempt and some real disappointment at, you know, it's one thing to get it wrong, but one, like how one doesn't even work. It's the only answer that you, you shouldn't have had. Um, and then finally on the men's round, he finishes out the men's round so perfectly, just, you know, capping off wonderful hosting job, proving how great of a host he is. Tech is up him versus Nehemiah. Down to the final questions. Next answer, incorrect. Loses. Tech doesn't know the answer. He goes with the guess of the gauntlet, and TJ absolutely fakes him out perfectly. Take a listen. Okay, I'm just going to go with my gut, and I'm going to say the gauntlet. The answer is the gauntlet. Fuck yeah! Three. Oh. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Must be noted here, TJ has tried to do similar things quite a bit in recent recent years, especially the last few seasons when it comes to eliminations, when they don't know who's, if it's a guy or a girl's elimination, he loves to kind of throw the fake outs either way. Some of them have worked, some of them not so much. This one obviously worked absolutely perfectly. He fooled Tech completely, and... Tex, at Tech's expense, we all get a great laugh. TJ, just a fantastic moment. Fantastic performance. We will come back to him later on as he is an MVP candidate in this episode himself. But that wraps up the trivia. Anissa safe. Nehemiah with the Lifesaver Shield. And Trishel, first uh, female out going straight into elimination. So we will move on then from the daily challenge into the next section of the show, the deliberation and house hangout section. All right. So we're back at the house then post daily challenge and quite a bit happens between the daily challenge and the elimination. Let's go through all the major uh, points one by one here. The first thing is immediately everyone gets back and a group breaks off to talk strategy, to talk who Trishel might want to go into the elimination against. So if we remember back in the first episode, the first deliberation, they did agree to some uh, some level that they were going to let whoever goes into the elimination pick their person to go against, or at least they're going to hear them out who they would want to go against. We'll see how long into the season that this trend actually goes. My guess is not super far. At some point, someone will not actually want that whoever they pick to go in and they will do something about it. But on this one, a group of five or six get together. And the thing that needs to be pointed out is while, you know, Trishel is at the center of this group because it's everyone asking her who they want to go against. 
Mark Long is the one they're all looking to within this group. And when there's kind of moments of indecision, everyone kind of glances towards him. And that's when he kind of glanced around, realized everyone's looking at him and chimes in his own and is willing to step in and say, okay, if that's what we're doing, you know, when we get to deliberation, I'll, I'll say this, is that good? Um, and it's kind of assumed that he's going to be the spokesperson and the leader. And it seems like it's not just this group of six or seven that get together in this moment. It feels like he has that position within the entire house at this point. And we talked on the preview podcast about why Mark sits at the top of our power rankings going into the season after episode one. We'll see if he still sits there at the end of episode two, but spoiler alert, he does because it seems like being the one responsible for this whole season, even existing, being the one that reached out to all these people that got this ball rolling, that got them excited, got them invested in signing on to come back in that he both has a good relationship with all of these people across the board, that they all look to him as someone that they kind of owe him for being there. You know, they're all excited to be there. They're all excited to be back, making some money, having some fun, being on TV, kind of reviving this reality TV career if they want to, and that he's, you know, the one responsible for it, more or less. And that gives him an incredible position of power and influence in the house and you know, it's something we thought was going to happen coming in. And it seems there's little subtle moments like this one where, you know, everyone kind of just keeps looking to him, uh, you know, during, at the end of every discussion to say, you know, is that, is that good by you? Is that, do you, do you agree? Do you want to say the final, you know, the final sentiment here? So I think that bodes well at some point, someone in the house is obviously going to, you know, I would hope realize that and maybe make a run at him, um, to get him out. But, he seems in total control in all these little strategic meetings. Uh, next thing to say is at the actual, then we move very quickly into the actual deliberation itself out in the field where they all go and half sit down, half stand up, have their, you know, carved out faces behind them. A great little deliberation room. I love that it's outdoors this time. Um, can't wait for it's going to have to rain or something at some point during one of these deliberations that they're going to have to audible the inside, but awesome outdoor deliberation area. And, um, during that deliberation, it goes pretty quick. Yazella chimes in immediately that, or I should say Mark opens it with Trishel said, we can pick whoever we want. She doesn't have uh, a choice. Yazella immediately jumps in then with, you know, Kendall didn't finish the challenge today. She chose to sit and, uh, basically quit, sit up on the on the platform next to TJ instead of jumping through and falling to the water because she was scared of falling through the water, which puts Kendall on the spot, which leads to an absolutely hilarious um, montage of what, you know, it was 45 to 60 seconds on our screen, but because they kept cutting in and out, it's it seems like it might have been a two to three to four minute, who knows how long, of an attempted explanation by Kendall of what happened up on that platform and why she chose not to jump off. She's jumping around. She's claiming her mouth is dry. She's, you know, acting a bit frantic. She's going way in depth on her explanations of each step that she took up there, how she would have hopped if she hopped. It's just hilarious to watch. And it convinces the re- everyone in the house that, yeah, easy target here. No one's going to have any qualms if we all just say Kendall's name. And as Kendall ends her explanation with, you know, Yasella, you fell second. I would vote for you. Yasella comes right back. Well, I'll vote for Kendall. Everyone quickly chimes in. We vote for Kendall, except for 
Durrell with a classic burn vote. Durrell, good friends from back, both on Road Rules Campus Crawl, original show he and Kendall shared together, also on Kendall's single season of The Challenge Inferno. Her and Durrell were on the same team, won together, so he doesn't want to vote for her. He throws a burn vote towards Katie, gets a good laugh, and is secretly just you know, one of those little tiny smart moves that whether it actually has an impact or not, that Durrell, being the smart one, realizes he's at the end of the voting uh, poll here. It's not going to hurt anything. There's no chance of that burn vote backfiring. So doesn't even say his friend's name, even if she would have totally understood, says another friend's name who would totally understand the burn vote and get the laugh and have fun with it. So good veteran moment from him. And deliberation's over. Kendall's going in. Kendall versus Trishel. But before we can get to the elimination, we are back at the house and we get a quick cut and a time pops up at the bottom of our screen, 4.12 in the morning. And well, let me back up. Let me back up. I jumped ahead just mildly what actually instigated this. Right after the deliberation, everyone heads back to the house. Trishel waiting up in her bedroom. And she is upset to see that the first person to come tell her who was nominated is Derek. And that her friend, Katie, her best friend, as we found out at the beginning of the episode decides to get in the food line first along with everyone else. And it gets very, very upset that Derek has to come up and tell her who it is. And eventually Katie comes up to tell her as well, presumably. But now Trishel already knows. She's already upset with Katie. And we get the first round, a uh, very short round in this uh, case. But that um, of a little bit of a fight between the two that would then continue later on. Well, before we get to that later on, that 4.12 in the morning, it is worth warning out that the edit kind of causes a little bit of confusion for me here of how upset Trishel should be. Yes, on principle, I agree with her that, hey, I've got someone in the house that I'm this close with that not only outside the game is such a good friend of mine, but in the game is my number one. I'm up for elimination. I'm waiting to find out who I'm going against. If the roles were reversed, I would want I would be the first one running up to find Katie and tell her, hey, this is who it is. This is how it all went down. Catch you up on all the info you need to know. I totally get that argument. And at first glance, would be like, yeah, Trishel's got a point. She should definitely be upset. Only thing I will say in Katie's defense that the edit, uh, the brief time they show her actually getting the food, it's clearly a long buffet line and everyone's in line. So it does truly look like they came back from deliberation and were told, hey, when you walk back in that house, like food is here and is served, like time to eat. And if you've ever been, I'm sure we've all been in buffet lines before or especially, you know, not at a restaurant or whatever, but in maybe if you've been to any type of conference where, you know, you break for lunch and have a buffet um, or anything like that. You don't want to be at the end of that line. You don't know what all is going to be left if, you know, they have enough of everything for everyone to get as much as they want of everything. And especially in a challenge house, you just, I want to, I just, the way everything goes, it's not always the cleanliest place. I want to get in there, get my food first and get in front of that line versus being the one that goes upstairs and come back down uh, 10 minutes later when everything's been picked over, picked through. So I don't 100% fault Katie for being like, maybe I grab a quick plate, then I head up. Um, and also with that, it seems like that's exactly what she did. They immediately got in line, got food, went upstairs and that Derek, while they kind of made it seem like, Oh, Trishelle, no one's out. I'm the first one to talk to you. No one, no one's told you yet. It seems like Derek walked immediately upstairs. Like it doesn't seem like he's been back at all. He didn't get food. He didn't nothing. He, he just walked immediately upstairs and told Trishelle. So 
you know, at first glance, I want to be on Trishel's side at the beginning of this argument that Katie should have been the one to tell her. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, seems like Derek walked immediately up there and Katie merely paused to grab a plate of food on her way immediately upstairs. So don't know whose side I'm on, but we then get the real fight. The, the full thing breaks out again. We get the, the quick cut. We are shown that it is now four twelve in the morning, which I thought old people slept. Like I, this is something I would expect maybe on a regular season of the challenge, you know, people are drinking, they're up all night and you know, they're hammered at four in the morning after having been drinking for the last eight plus hours, whatever it is. And two people get into it, wake up the whole rest of the house. They can't believe those people are still up drinking, drunk, whatever. And that if that was the situation, totally understandable. This one, first off, doesn't seem like anyone's necessarily been drinking, maybe a glass of wine here, there, but it does not seem, you know, they didn't have a cocktail hour on this one. They didn't really have like a big party or anything. seems like came back from deliberation, had some food. Everyone chilled a little bit. Everyone went to bed except for Katie and Trishel, who once we see fighting are still in their full, the clothes they were wearing previously. So it doesn't seem like they, you know, went to bed and then somehow woke up or anything like that. They're just still up at four in the morning and they've got words for each other. They are upset. Trishel is blown away still over this. Katie didn't come. Tell me right away. We're supposed to be best friends. What the hell are you doing? I can't trust you. If I can't trust you, who do I trust in here? Kind of some classic Trishel coming out, both the anger mixed with the tiny bit of paranoia mixed with, I'm just going to let it rip. I'm going to let this person have it. I got a little thing to go with here, so we're going to run with it. Couple amazing quotes during it. Katie with the, I don't live like this anymore. Um, you know, subtle diss of Trishel being the one to kind of instigating all of this, but also a great callback to Katie being, you know, this being something she was known for, had a reputation for in the past and trying to say, you know, this isn't me anymore. This isn't what I want to be a part of. Um, Trishel throwing a, I have babysat you, wiped your ass for six full years. Just (laughs) vicious. Uh, I hope that's not literally true that when they lived together for six years as full-on grown adults in their 20s or 30s that she was wiping Katie's ass, but I get what she's going for. But in the end, Katie full-on wins this argument in my mind just because of how she ends it. There's a lot of back and forth. Everyone is woken up. Huge blowout. But at the very end, Katie goes with the full flex and says, you know what, Trishel? If you're so mad at me, if you don't like me so much, you want to see me out of this house, go ahead and tell Nehemiah to save Kendall and put me in the elimination, and let's do this one-on-one. I'll go against you in the elimination. Calls her out, steps up to the plate, throws down the gauntlet, and Trishel has no reply. Immediately, you know, does not, one, for for game purposes, uh, if especially if you're mad at her, with respect to Katie, if I'm choosing Kendall versus Katie to go into elimination against, I'm choosing Katie if I'm Trishel. So she throws it out there. Hey, I don't care if you want to end this fight by walking over to Nehemiah and telling him, pull out Kendall, throw in Katie. Let's do this. Awesome. But Trishel immediately backs down. And for that, Katie, absolute winner of this confrontation. And to come back all the way around full circle to the what we opened this with, 
um, of they kind of set these two up as best friends. The layers kind of get pulled back during this fight. We find out that, yes, in fact, they were the best of friends, but that it might have been a while since that was the case, that those six years living together sounds like they were immediately after the times they were on the television shows together back you know, in the mid and late 2000s. And that, you know, they were in those weddings a long time ago. And that maybe, um, while they don't give years specific, Katie kind of hints that maybe in the last four, five, six years, whatever it's been, as her family life has grown, as her career outside of the reality world has grown, that they maybe haven't kept in touch, haven't been, that she wasn't coming in thinking they were the best of friends the way Trishel was. She was happy to see her old pal, her old living roommate, her old, you know, one of her besties from a time past, but it was a time past to her. So we get a little clarity on that. Um, but good to know that the best friends thing was real. We truly do had best friends on the show, um, not just best friends in the house that claim to be best friends, best friends. Um, so good to see, but we kind of get a little clarity on that. And with that, that's everything we've got noted down about the deliberation. We will now move on to the final segment of the show. That is the elimination. So we head into the elimination. We know it's Kendall versus Trishel. We know Nehemiah has the lifesaver. Still don't know exactly what it does other than it saves just... It sounds like it, they haven't actually made it 100% clear, but by the wording, he can only save the person nominated. He couldn't save Trishel in this instance, the one that was immediately put in elimination for losing the challenge. Can only save the person nominated. We don't know what happens if they go about with that saving. Nehemiah chooses not to use it. So we get Kendall versus Trishel in an absolute challenge classic back to what we said earlier it seems like um for the betterment of the season because of this shortened season every elimination every daily challenge we get is going to be an absolute classic one i doubt they're going to try anything that we haven't seen these are all going to be ones we've seen not just once or twice in the past but repeatedly in the past and that fans love and that they love the challengers love themselves we get not so fast the big jungle gym with the big you know heavy rope forget how long they say exactly the rope is, but you'll get 20 minutes to wind the rope in, out, around, through, all around this jungle gym. Then you unstrap yourself, switch with the other person, and you get as much time as needed first to unwind what their uh, competitor has wound up for them. I will say about Not So Fast, this is, I mean, it might be my actual favorite elimination as far as eliminations I desperately would love to get to do in real life, would love to try this just with my friends or whatever, not even like on the show, which brings me to an idea that I have had for a long time. I don't know how it exists. Um, if anyone out there listening wants to uh, invest uh, what I would assume would probably be millions and millions of dollars to help me make this uh, come to fruition, but I have always argued that there should be some sort of amusement park like place that fans of the challenge can go and potentially I throw in survivor with it. I put them together fans of the challenge or survivor, maybe even some other reality shows out there, some sort of reality television amusement park where you can go with your friends and actually try some of these daily challenges, elimination matches, and different games and things that they have on these shows. Challenge and Survivor being the two most that every time I'm watching, all I want is I wish there was somewhere I could go and I could try these things and know either how hard they are, how much fun they are. You know, I always, especially with something like Not So Fast, I'm always thinking through what is the actual good strategy? What is the best strategy for depending on 
people's athletic abilities or their competitors' athletic or mental capacities, you know, and I wish there was a place we could all go try this. So if you're out there listening, if you agree, there should be an amusement park where you can go do challenge games, challenge eliminations, survivor games, maybe stuff from other uh, reality competition shows that I'm not particularly watching. That would be fun. Uh, send your investment money to me here at the Challenge Historian. We'll get that going. Um, but not so fast. Always one of my favorites, one that I would love to get to try. And with this round, Kendall versus Trichelle, it's uh, not exactly the greatest not so fast performance we've ever seen. They both choose to go with the strategy of, I'm just going to make a big old knot in the middle of this jungle gym, just on the ground. I'm not even going to bother going up and around and through. I'm not even going to use the jungle gym. I'm just going to walk to the middle of this thing, pull the rope in there, and then I'm just going to start going in and under and around, looping the rope. I'm just going to make a big old knot, which is a strategy for sure. And, you know, again, I don't know exactly what the best strategy in this game is. You could definitely say it there. There's an argument. This is as good of a strategy as any. I do think a part of it, especially on Trichelle's side, as we would see once they switch places, that she was a little nervous about the endurance of the whole thing. So maybe that's why she went with the, I'm not going to bother wasting any energy trying to climb around this stuff. I'm just going to sit here in the middle and try to weave a damn good knot and hope for the best. Um, Kendall, at least early, the first, you know, kind of went around and through a time or two before also just going with the, now nah, I'm just going to stand here and make a big old knot and see how it goes. Um, but interesting strategy, definitely the first time uh, in the elimination, you know, uh, that we see kind of the age and the less physical side come through with bringing these OGs back. But they both do a great job. They make a complete mess of their rope. And it does look like it's going to be very, very difficult to get apart. They switch places, and Kendall just runs away with it. She she breezes through, untangling everything. Trichelle had knotted up. She gets it out while Trichelle's still sitting there with a big old knot at her feet. Kendall wins, kind of going away, and gets that victory, her second elimination victory in her history, second in two tries. We'll come back in our... Uh, our little challenge history segment here at the end, we're actually going to talk about Kendall's record and where it is in the history books. But uh, Trichelle takes the loss. She is eliminated. Um, The only thing really to say about a slightly uneventful elimination is uh, the coaching from the sideline. Darrell specifically is Kendall's coach the whole time. There's four or five people all yelling, trying to help Trichelle, rooting her on, only person uh, really saying anything on Kendall's behalf and not even just cheering, but coaching is Darrell. And it got me kind of thinking as Kendall notes in her interview, she's thrilled to have Darrell helping her out, coaching her through. She's listening to whatever he says, doing whatever he says, acting like, you know, he's the coach. I'm the player. I'm do everything he says. And I'm going to get this win. It works out just like that. But it got me thinking that, you know, this is a common occurrence in the past that, it's not just the competitors in the elimination, but now that everyone's there watching, you know, you can have people yell out, help you out, coach you through. Who would be my top sideline coach to have? And I think Darrell, at least on the men's side, might be the my top pick. Just, you know, between he has a background in training, so he knows how to, you know, yell out clear commands. He knows a little bit about coaching, having that background as a boxing trainer. He has as much experience with these games as anyone and he's also very good at the game so you can trust a bit not only has he seen them played them but he's kind of figured out how to do them and play them all well so you can kind of trust what he's saying to you so I think Darrell definitely I'm gonna have to think about it more maybe on a future episode 
or maybe a, a breakout YouTube video or something, we'll come up with who's my preferred sideline coach in an elimination. But Darrell definitely near the top of that list. So that's the elimination. Uh, Trishel goes home. Great having her back. Um, glad that we got one, you know, kind of classic Trishel blow up uh, out of it. Um, good to see she's doing well. She exits. Kendall gets the win, comes back to the house, looking like a stronger competitor than she did going in. And so that kind of wraps up our section-by-section breakdown. We will now move into some of the awards for this episode. It's awards time. Let's go first with the best quote of the episode. We we did before best quote slash moment. We're just going to make it best quote. Um, any great moments that come without the actual quote with them, we will obviously touch on in our in-depth recap of the section by section of the episode. So we're just going to go with best quote from now on. And this one, a few candidates we've mentioned, uh, most of them as we went through that breakdown of the full episode, the only one we didn't, that is a candidate that doesn't quite come in first place, but worth pointing out upon elimination, Trishel in her kind of exit interview, post elimination, post loss gives a great quote and advice for anyone thinking about coming back on the challenge that maybe it wasn't the case back when they were, she was on before, but it is now listen up. Here's Trishel's advice for anyone coming back to the show. I had a good time. And if you're planning on doing a challenge, go to the gym, do not sit by a pool and drink cocktails all day. Then we've also got referenced earlier, but mid fight between Katie and Trishel, while there's a lot of good back and forth, uh, a lot of good disses flying both ways. The one moment that stood out during that, the best quote of that entire fight for me was just Katie simply saying, I don't live like this anymore. Back to who we were 20 years ago. I, I don't live like this anymore. I mean, I have a family. I have a husband. Maybe in my 20s, it was easy, but I can't do it today. I both worthy candidates, however, neither of them comes close to the winner for best quote. Of the episode, which we're going to give a three-way tie to TJ Lavin for all three quotes we played for you early on during trivia. Again, was just an absolute stud. Everything he said was hilarious, was entertaining. He was so on point with everything. If we have to pick an actual winner of the three quotes we played earlier, we are going to go with his just evisceration of Katie for guessing one as to how many elimination participants there were on the island. Let's hear it again one more time just for good measure. So Katie, how many players participated in the elimination rounds on the island? Uh, one. Oh my God, Katie, it is an elimination round. How would one just play in himself? Like what is he gonna do? They didn't even have challenges on that show. I mean, it, it was three, Katie. So I'm gonna need you to take a step and say, see you later. That's your best quote from your best host, which leads us right into the MVP of this episode's episode two All-Stars season. Now, a bunch of candidates here. Um, first, we'll shout out to Kendall. Wins the elimination. Anyone that wins an elimination is always up as a candidate for the MVP. But she also paired that elimination win with a very poor performance in the daily challenge, which is what led to being in the elimination in the first place. You know, she has the one nice conversation with Derek, uh, but really doesn't offer a lot within the episode other than just getting that win and looking impressive in the, in the elimination. So candidate, yes, does not get the win for that. Then there's Trishel, who 
definitely is one of the stars of the episode for sure, which is a big, you know, big portion of just being the MVP. You don't necessarily have to win everything to be the MVP of an episode by any means. You just got to be the star. You got to bring the most value to the table, most valuable person of the episode. Uh, Trishel is definitely a candidate for that, both, you know, she's involved in everything the entire episode through. She loses first at the elimination, which means she's a big part of the deliberation. She's in the, uh, uh, excuse me, she loses in the daily challenge, which leads to her going into the elimination. She's a part of the deliberation. She has this big fight with Katie. Her and Katie's story is kind of the main backstory of the entire episode. But given that she did get last at the daily challenge and did lose the elimination, as much as she was bringing a lot of value to this episode and the episode was really focused on her, we can't give her the MVP when she, you know, was 0 for 2 in the actual competitive part of it and 0 for 3 if you count the fact that we think Katie won that war of words, which brings us to our third candidate. Katie did win, in our estimation, that kind of war of words, which Trishel came out of that looking slightly better. Neither of them really looks bad. It's, just, uh, it's a very obvious thing. Um, friendships are tough over long, long years um, and definitely could see as the kind of layers came back there and we realized maybe Katie didn't feel the same way years after this great relationship that Trishel did. That's a really tough spot to be in. Um, so I don't think anyone looked bad in that uh, fight at all. Good television, good entertaining. I do think just with that last, uh, you know, throwing down that gauntlet the way Katie did of saying, pull me into elimination. Let's see what happens. And Trishel back and down. Katie won that war. She also uh, was great entertainment in the trivia challenge. I don't know how it happened again, but that she got a bloody nose upon falling in the water. She has hands down without even having to review the history or the footage or anything, her fall um, back that they showed in this where she runs, jumps across, smacks her face on the platform she's trying to jump onto, does about four somersaults in the air and then smacks her face into the water on prior season was just is the worst fall in challenge history for sure is brutal. So she is every right to be terrified of falling in the water, but she falls down straight. Like, you know, pencil formation feet first, just like everyone else. She's a little slight like tilted forward. So I get her face kind of hits the water a tiny bit again, but uh, it just feels so bad for her that her face gets bloodied up again a little bit. She handles it well as expected. Um, she's a complete champ about it. She has an all around good episode as a featured player within the episode, but not quite our MVP. Anissa, the final candidate that does not get the MVP title, but worth mentioning both dominates trivia carries the interviews as always, always great in the interview room, being a producer in the field. And from a player perspective, if this award had to go to one of the players, Anissa would be the MVP of this episode for sure. But she loses out because the MVP of this episode is Mr. TJ Lavin himself. When it's trivia time, when TJ is on point, given his A-plus trivia performance like he is, there can be no other MVP. I think this was his best performance he has ever given in maybe not the full episode, but in a daily challenge for sure. He is just on point the whole way through. We've talked about it. He won the best quote. Uh, we talked about him at length during talking about the daily challenge itself. When I remember this episode, I will remember it for TJ being ruthless, hilarious, and that laugh over and over and over at the trivia challenge. Give this man, pardon my language here, but give this man a fucking Emmy already. Blows me away every year when the Emmys roll around. I think, hey, maybe the challenge is going to finally get its due. Maybe at least they can offer. There is a literal award for best host of a reality television show. 
And our guy, TJ Lavin, never gets any love. I still don't know that he's ever even been nominated, which is just absolute slander. But he's definitely never won. Um, Jeff Probst, meanwhile, deservingly has like four, five, six of these awards. But he has plenty enough. It has been recognized enough. Give TJ Lavin the award for the best uh, reality host. Please, Emmys, if you're out there listening, this man deserves it. This episode is his highlight reel to submit this year. He's the MVP of the episode. On to the power rankings coming out of episode two. Small but potentially significant changes. We're going to go with the women's side first. We're still going to keep it women and men separate power rankings until we get a little later in the season and we start to get more of that. We know ultimately only one person, at least what they've said so far, only one person is going to win the overall prize. But for now, we're doing these power rankings, men separate from women, who we think will make the final mixed with who we think is going to win this show or is in the best position to make the final and win on the women's side. Well, quiet episode from her. We're still putting Kellyanne at the top of this list. She is clearly um, kind of looked at by the other ladies as probably one of the most physically fit people here, the one that they don't want to go up against now that they're kind of seeing these eliminations being uh, of the physical variety. I'm going to keep her at number one. She seems to have plenty of friends in the house. No one seems to be targeting her. And if anyone on the women's side has a little bit of that fear factor brewing, maybe in the background there, I think it's her. So she's my top spot. Kendall leaps up to number two, both because it seems like she does have good friends and alliances in the house and that, um, just the only reason she ended up in this elimination because of what she did in the daily challenge and that that led to being kind of an easy vote even for her allies and friends to make. But now that she's proved herself, everyone, you know, when they first throw her name out in a little powwow between Trishel and Mark and Kellyanne and everyone um, immediately post uh, daily challenge, when Kendall's name is initially thrown out, they do even mention, well, uh, do you want to go against Kendall? She's you know, she's out there doing yoga every day. She seems pretty fit. She seems pretty strong. Um, so now then getting to put that on display and proving it and having a really great resounding victory in the elimination, I think uh, she is going to move up along with Kellyanne as being kind of that top physical competitor. Um, and as we'll talk about in a moment, has a much bigger resume and reputation than you'd think for her short time on the challenge. She's my number two spot. Anissa comes in third. I think it's almost a shoe in Anissa is going to get to the final, whether she can get that final, that first win or not, we will see, but both the relationships with everyone, everyone loves Anissa as they should. She's got great allies across the board. She's very good at the daily challenges already getting her first win here today. If she has to go into elimination with the eliminations we're seeing in the ones we know probably coming forward with, you know, hall brawl is going to happen. It seems like pole wrestle is going to happen. Balls in is probably going to happen. If I were to guess all of those, I'm taking Anissa over anyone in the house, probably in all three of those eliminations. She's also done at least pole wrestle a time or two. I just think she's done balls in once. I don't know if she's ever actually had to do a hall brawl. They've only, uh, it's not as many ladies that have done that one over the years. I don't think she ever did, but I would take her over anyone in the house in any of those situations. So expecting those to be the eliminations, knowing her alliances, knowing her experience level. I think she's almost a shoe in for the final. I just don't know depending what level of final it is, where she's going to fall once she gets there. On the men's side, power rankings barely change. Mark Long, still number one. We talked about earlier why. Seems like he's got 
everyone in the house, you know, kind of feels like they owe him one for being there. And so he already would have had strong alliances going in and they're even made stronger by that position as the one who put this all together. Darrell moves up to number two for me on his own to number two, previously in the third spot tied with Derek. Now two all alone. He just looks really comfortable. He hasn't, you know, he didn't win either the daily challenges. He hasn't been in the elimination, but just, from a comfort level, the experience of being around these most recent seasons of the challenges coming through when they're standing up there on the dais at the eliminations, when they're in the deliberations, when they're you know just hanging out at the house, he clearly is comfortable being there, comfortable with anything that's going to get thrown at him, feels confident in his abilities versus all these other people, and I'm confident in them too. Uh, feels like you know he's just in a really good place mentally is in as good a place physically as most any of these guys. He's my number two. Coming in third, Alton. Still flying under the radar. We've barely seen any of him these first two episodes, but we've seen enough shirtless Alton to know that athleticism is still there. Seems like no one, if if anyone's going to call out anyone into the elimination, I would be shocked if Alton is one of their quick picks to throw into elimination. Um, you know, of the guys that really look to be bringing it on the physical side, I guess maybe he would be picked depending which elimination is before a Mark or a Letarian uh, that have a little more size and strength versus just the overall physical abilities and athleticism. But he's my number three. Derek falls out of the power rankings for me. Um, just, I don't know why, just because I, I feel like Darrell has kind of separated himself from Derek, who I had those two tied before kind of throwing a fourth person in. So maybe Derek's still in fourth, who knows? But that's my top three on the guy's side. Mark, Darrell, Alton, women's side, Kellyanne, Kendall, Anissa. That's the power rankings. Overall, the grade for the episode, I'm going with uh, a B plus, maybe A minus. Um, is a very good episode. The elimination, while a great um, a classic elimination game that I get excited to see wasn't all that climactic or that great of a battle, but the trivia is the best daily challenge we get every time. And this one was an A plus trivia. So that, uh, those kind of balance each other out. There was some good stuff in the house. I'm going to go with a minus for the overall episode grade. And then we'll move into our final segment. We did not do this on the first episode of the season, but we are going to add it in here. Probably every episode moving forward, potentially not each one. If there isn't a good anecdote lead into it, but we're going to have a little history lesson to end every episode here of the challenger story. And obviously we want to talk about what's currently happening on these seasons, but we also want to bring you a little bit of that challenge history, those challenge resumes, some of those stats and facts from yesteryear that you may not either be privy to or may not remember as much, but to help put everything we've seen over the years into perspective, we're going to have a history lesson at the end of almost every episode of this podcast. So with that, today's history lesson, get your books out, get your notes out. We're going to have a good first lesson here. And that first lesson is in regards to Kendall. Kendall gets her elimination win here. We mentioned earlier, that's her second ever elimination win in two tries. And that is because Kendall is one of those one-and-done champions, of which there's a few of them over the years, but that went in, did one season of the challenge, and won it and then left. Went 100% titles across the board every season she ever did. Uh, she won that perfect record. She is one of only 20 players to have ever won every season they were on. Of those 20 players, only two of them have been on more than one season. So 18 of the 20 people who have a perfect winning the challenge record is because they've been on one season, they won, and they never came back. Two people 
Ronnie Martin did it twice. He went two for two. Jamie Murray, who we'll come back to in a moment, went three for three in his challenge career. But Kendall was one of those 20 players to go one for one, one challenge, one challenge victory. And she is also one of only seven players to do that one for one while also having to face elimination rounds. So again, there's 20 players ever that have went either one for one or in one case, two for two, or one case, three for three, but 20 people who have perfect every challenge I've ever been on, they have won. But of those 20, only seven of them were in the era of having to face eliminations or possibly just uh, one or two of them might have avoided all eliminations on the seasons. But a handful of them were people that were on it and won. Uh, Three of those 20 are people that won season two Real World Rose Rules Challenge before there was eliminations. Um, And a handful of others never saw an elimination. So seven people have the perfect elimination and challenge victory record, Kendall being one of them. The other people, our newest addition to that, fresh off of it just this last week, is Amber B., on double agents, her first season gets the win and goes two and zero in elimination. So perfect challenge record from an elimination and championship standpoint. Going back, the um, earliest ones ever were uh, Kendall and Christina Pyle, both on the Inferno, both their first rookie season. They got the win. Both of them, Christina and Kendall, on that season went 1-0 in eliminations, won the final, never to be seen again until now Kendall has come back. We also had Sam McGinn on Battle of the Seasons 2 on the San Diego team, along with Zach, Frank, Ashley, and Sam was the fourth member of that team. She uh, has never been back on the challenge, went one for one with titles, went 2-0 and in eliminations, including one of the kind of all-time elimination wins with her and Zach facing off um, in the hall brawl versus CJ. And I apologize to CJ's partner, who I'm not remembering at the moment, but an amazing hall brawl she took part in. So she has that perfect record. Then both fresh meat one and two featured the winner, uh, being a one and done champ fresh meat. One Aviv came in Darrell's partner. They went all the way. They won. She went one and zero oh in those eliminations. Then on fresh meat two, same thing happened. Carly Johnson comes in partners up with Landon goes all the way. She goes two and zero oh in eliminations. They get that win. They're one and done. So we've had seven people over the years, do that. Kendall is one of those and now has her first elimination win here on All-Stars. We'll see. Maybe she goes all the way. Maybe she gets the win. Maybe she joins Ronnie Martin and Jamie Murray as the only people to ever go perfect record in multiple seasons deep. Um, going way back, Darrell is the the longest uh, person to ever go. He went four for four. His first four seasons, he won. He's obviously been on a bunch of seasons since and ended that perfect streak, but he had the longest uh, perfect streak to start a challenge career. Um, so I guess, you know, that's still on the table for Kendall. If there's, she wins this and there's more seasons of, of the challenge, but to finish this history lesson out, uh, Kendall continues being a part of that history of the perfect challenge resume, but is worth shouting out. We said him earlier, Jamie Murray under the radar. Uh, he will definitely be at least mentioned when we eventually do a big breakdown of challenge goats. Um, but as far as people who maybe you wouldn't think of right away as challenge legends that maybe should have been back on this season of all-stars, I don't know if he was invited or not, or wanted to come or not, but Jamie Murray back three for three, he was on extreme challenge battle of the sexes, then took a little bit of a break, came back one more time on gauntlet Two, went three for three, three challenges, three titles. However, 
never faced an elimination, but the first two seasons of those Extreme Challenge Ballad Sexes, there were not eliminations on, so he never had to worry about one there. Gauntlet 2, there were. He never got voted into one, so never had to face an elimination in his career. He was always in the power position. He was... um, couple of those seasons came with a tribunal like situation where he went 14 out of 15 15 times there was a tribunal possibility he made it 14 of those times so it was always just staying in a position of power he won 22 of the 47 daily challenges he competed at almost a 50 percent success rate so jamie murray under the radar um you know in the goat conversation not going to be one of the goats the three seasons isn't quite enough but is the is the greatest champion of all time as far as going with that perfect record three for three three seasons three titles that is your history lesson for the day and that is it for this episode of the challenge historian i have been your host jacob hallball this has been the challenge all-stars episode two recap thank you so very much for being here we've got a great preview of next week's episode of the all-stars so we'll be back again as soon as that airs we'll get it watched get it recapped get that right out to you make sure you can always follow along for extra challenge content on instagram at the challenge historian or check out our youtube channel challenge historian or the challenge historian on youtube there will be some additional content and separate videos going up that's where in the near future you're going to be finding the goat conversations that's where you're going to see some of my pitches for different ideas for different formats of shows they could be doing a whole lot more a bunch of extra content coming there so check out that youtube channel follow along on instagram and make sure to follow rate subscribe review give us five stars as you can on that apple podcast follow on spotify wherever you're listening to this podcast right now make sure to follow along so we know you're out there listening Those reviews and ratings are extremely uh, appreciated and helpful. So thank you for those. Thank you for being here. That's all for today. I will talk to you guys again soon. Challenge Historian signing out.